You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. Oh shit, what was I just talking about before I derailed myself? We were talking about um, the fear of being ostracised for... Ah, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh... The 8th of May, 2017, I'm Benjamin Riley. And I'm Simon Copland. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week we're talking about whether queers could just, for once, get along. Last week, the controversy over the Safe Schools program flared up once again after a number of high-profile Australians signed a letter lobbying Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull to establish a new anti-bullying program to replace Safe Schools. The letter argued that we needed to take take the politics out of the issue, developing a program that should not be one that seeks approval for the way certain members of our society live, but rather only mutual respect and tolerance. This letter was met with significant criticism for its language, with the organiser, Ben Grubb, eventually apologising for its content and withdrawing the associated petition. Perhaps predictably, the backlash to the petition also created a counter-backlash, with many arguing that the harsh tone of the initial backlash was overblown. Still following... One tweet, so for example, I know, so too much backlash. One tweet, for example, argued, quote, the safe schools reaction today demonstrates why we don't have hashtag marriage equality. We need to show empathy to those with good intentions, end quote. All of this has got Ben and I thinking about how queers deal with disagreements within our communities. While debate within political movements and communities is natural, have we become too harsh amongst ourselves? While we may have disagreed with the content of much of this letter, did our reaction end up isolating people who were just trying to do a good thing, in turn dissuading others who may want to try and get involved in the future? Or is something else going on here? So Ben, let's get started. Was the reaction to this letter letter a little overblown? Uh, Look, I I think, first of all, uh, I think it's good when our community has debates around these sorts of things. I think it's good when we talk about... um, differences and disagreements over political ideologies uh, within our communities. I, like, I would I would broadly um, make that statement. I also think it's good that... It's good when our communities kind of talk about what, what is, I would say, very explicitly in this case, uh, respectability politics. Um, I, th- I think that's a good thing, and, and I think a fairly new thing as well, certainly for, like... Um, uh, very mainstream uh, public conversations about queer issues. It's it's something I don't think would have happened around this issue five years ago, for example. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, but as uh, I mean, look, I I think I tend to think that all of these reactions are overblown a bit, and and part <laughs> and part of that is is exacerbated by the 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 platforms. You know, I saw most of this unfold over Twitter, but I'm sure it was. Um, I'm sure it was happening on on Facebook as well, um, and like I just I think the nature of social media does tend to exacerbate these things to a point where um, they uh, I don't know they, they they just kind of become this self reinforcing uh, they become this kind of feedback loop that just gets bigger and bigger and people kind of egg each other on and feed on each other's outrage, mm. um, and so so I think that that can't help but be overblown but but kind of become a bit. Uh, disproportionate. Um, uh, I think the other thing that I found a bit frustrating about the response, particularly in terms of how it played out on Twitter, is that one of the kind of, and, and I think we might, um, I, I don't know if we're going to get into this or not, but but I think one of the most 
I think my biggest criticism of the content of the letter was around the fact that it there hadn't really been any community consultation yep, around yep. it. And so it was these very kind of high-profile high uh, people, largely celebrities, uh, who had signed on to this thing. It was almost like, I was talking to my partner about this the other day, and he, he, he said it's almost like, you know, a... a, a a queer person just sort of woke up in the morning and was like, safe schools, that's an important issue. I should do something about that. <laughs> you know, didn't to like... To be honest, it feels exactly like how that was. How no, totally, that. totally. And it, it was like, didn't do any kind of reading about what other people were doing, didn't kind of talk to anyone, consulted with one, you know, apparently, can't quote, Canberra insider, um, I think was how it was put uh, on, on some of the, the language Because consulting changes. with insiders was always the best way to go. And and one, you know. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> And so that, so I, I, I thought it was a, the the most valid criticism for me was just that it's like, you know, it, it's a bit disrespectful to the fact that a lot of people have been working very, very hard and dedicating their entire lives to this for a long time to to sorting through the kind of political mire around safe schools and to kind of just like, you know, have this come apparently out of nowhere um, without an apparent awareness of the context of the issue is, is a little galling. But that I, I think. In the context of the Twitter response, what I found almost equally frustrating was that there is this kind of uh, this thing that happens on parts of social media, and I think on Twitter particularly, where some of the very loud voices who are known for speaking about queer issues very loudly mm. are arguably not even really that representative of of um, the a lot of the the real kind of political work that goes into uh, this stuff, um, and and I I wouldn't want to. Uh, kind of, I guess, value certain kinds of contributions to these political uh, debates or, or to the political process over others. But I, you know, I, I feel like I can fairly safely say that, you know, the sort of the, the people working behind the scenes and the people actually working on these programs and, and working on implementation and working with politicians who do all that stuff are probably having a more a, a, a greater kind of impact on this than the people who are talking about it on on Twitter. So I think this idea. I think it was frustrating to see these kind of loud voices on Twitter in the community kind of speaking for the community in terms of this this backlash. But maybe that's just an inevitable part of social media backlash. Yeah, I think that, that actually, that, that term you have of speaking for the community is one that's really interesting here in that it sort of did, it, you know, and you saw this in a lot of the articles of like... Um, you know, you know I, I, this isn't an exact article, but it's sort of like uh, these people have written this letter, and the queer community have reacted, have, have you know, have have had a backlash, or the queer community hate it, or something like that. Uh, and it's sort of, um, I think this goes back to a lot of stuff we've spoken about identity politics, in particular, around this um, sort of narrowing in of what is the the perfect thing in this politics. Now, I disagreed with this letter. I thought the respectability politics of it was really um, problematic. I really didn't like it. I think. You're 100% right in that having the reaction to that element of it I thought was really good. Um, and I think that it was a valuable um, a valuable tool in that sense, I think. And in, the, and in that sense, the debate is really good um, in that it allowed us to sort of delve deeper into what uh, people want or, or some of the problems. I think it clearly what the problems were with the language around tolerance in particular and the respectability politics that is, was associated with that. Uh, but at the same time, um, and this is something I'd like to go into a little bit more with this, it's sort of, sort of, it, it, it felt like to me a part of this sort of outrage cycle that occurs very frequently within queer, within, within queer debate, where someone says mm. something that we don't like and we get outraged and they're kind of lambasted as being the sort of, um, the, you know, the worst, worst than worst, you know, the devil or anything or whatever, they're sort of 
pictured as being this really evil figure because people, someone made a mistake or someone mm. did something stupid or they totally. made a I mean, comment. It's, it's that kind of purity politics that yeah. that we've talked about a bit. You know that the the only acceptable way to engage politically is to do so perfectly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think so. So it's this interesting dynamic where I agreed with the criticism of it, um, and I made some of that criticism myself as to mm, why yeah, this was this was bad and why I didn't like it. Um, yet at the same time, when you get to these cycles of outrage, it sort of goes into further and like, it's not just that this person is bad and, and Ben eventually apologized for it and said, well, didn't eventually, it was like 24 hours. Uh, apologize, yeah, <laughs> apologize for it. The whole thing it. was over remarkably quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, you know, he wasn't, you know, um, dragging this out or, or staunchly defending himself. He sort of recognized a mistake. But I think that there's a potential that this turns into this sort of um, purity politics where it's like, well, you, you sort of made a mistake and you're, you're now like that guy who did that thing and that's, um, you know, you can't ever learn from that because that was this sort of thing labelled on you. And and part of that as well, I think, and, and we've spoken about this in the previous podcasts, uh, podcast episodes, I think it also was... A, Part of it was a sort of built into this sort of. Um, I think we've we've used the term oppression Olympics. Is that you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of what I saw was like, uh, look at these cis white people who clearly have no idea what they're talking about because they're cis white people. You know that's why they've done this, or. Uh, you know, that, um, you know, this is, you know, they clearly just don't understand because they're cis white people and that's why they signed on to this. Uh, and I saw that quite com, you know, as a quite a common response. And the, the sort of the process in which you engage with someone's identity when they, or, you know, or their, their gender or whatever, when you, instead of engaging with the political debate or the political discourse there, I find really troubling. Um, particularly because we know of, you know, for example, one non-cis person who hates such schools who have spoken about Kate McGregor in this podcast, you know, it sort of associates all cis white people with having bad politics and all non, non, non-cis, non-white people with having good politics. And Hashtag I think not all cis people. Is yeah, but it's, you know, doing? but I think that this sort of discourse is, has, has the potential to actually, um, uh, it doesn't engage with the issue necessarily, rather than, uh, you know, what I prefer is to engage with the problem with um, with respectability politics rather than engage with this person is a cis white person, that's why they got it wrong, for example. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's funny. I think in this case, privilege is... Oh God, it's such an overused word. But I, <laughs> I think in this case, it, it's it's more relevant than I, than I would usually consider it to... Um, these these sorts of conversations that we that you know play out on social media in, in queer communities, in that it like it is it is you are in a very privileged position if you are able to kind of wake mm. up one day and decide something's an issue, never really having had to deal with it before, um, and and it is it's certainly uh, difficult not to at least align that with the you know, identity based experiences within the community. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate a bit here on yeah, behalf yeah. of identity politics, but you know, that, that there is, um, who is this uh, person I'm talking to? Right? I know, I know, I know, but that, but that there is, you know, probably more likely that sort of privilege is going to align with, um, with, uh, being, for example, a, a, a socially privileged, uh, gay, cisgender gay white man, um, but but for that to become the focal point of a, a response is probably unhelpful. Yeah, I probably disagree with you. I think that uh, I think there's more opportunity for these people to have spent the time to having engaged in the consultation, and I think I agree with that. No, I don't think I definitely agree with that. And that was a major problem. These people, 
had the resources to do that and had the capacity to engage with yes, this and actually yeah, yeah, engage with the questions. So at that level, I think I agree. I think the labelling, I think what's interesting here is the labelling of all of these people as never having to deal with these issues, which is something that I definitely see, saw, saw occurring. Uh, and the idea that queers who were in their 30s or 40s now never necessarily dealt with bullying at school um, is kind of ridiculous to me, whether they're a cis white person yeah, yeah, or not. Yeah. Um, and the what, what we're doing is potentially erasing people's... Um, uh, experiences of that through through labeling through this question of privilege theory now naturally and I, do, I want to be very clear here we do that all the time for people who are not cis who are who are not white who are you know people of color um, who are who are marginalized um, more marginalized we erase those experiences all the time and i don't i don't want to deny that but we don't solve that by sort of saying well you're you're a cis white person therefore your experiences are also sort of not valid because i think a lot of these people do have probably do have valid experiences. I think they probably got the politics wrong, um, and they got the consultation wrong. But that doesn't mean that they're inherently wrong because of their cisness or their whiteness. And that's that's the thing yeah. that I think is the, yeah, the challenging sure. element. Sure. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, like I didn't really see. I I didn't see as much of this stuff as it sounds like you yeah, did. The, the kind of um, uh, yeah, yeah yeah that that oh, what's that word that we forgot last time? Ad hominem kind of uh, attacks. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to kind of, uh, I, I feel like I'm, it. I'm weighing in past the point of, of, of something that I actually saw. Yeah, that's fine. Totally understand that. Well, like maybe that's a point where we can go back to sort of the original discussion and, you know, maybe we should ask the question. We sort of asked this right at the start of whether we can actually get along or is this some sort of pipe dream, you know, going back to that tweet that we had of, you know, why can't we all just sort of get along? Um, is that something that we want to aim for? I mean, this is the this is sort of where I had my primary contribution on Twitter, at mm. least to to the whole discussion, because because I think that of all of all the sort of this question, yeah, no, exactly, of all the kind of backlash, backlash. Um, so this was my uh, backlash to the backlash, backlash, I guess, um, because because that's <laughs> the stuff cycle. that pisses, yeah, no, totally, because that's the stuff that pisses me off. Because I, I mean, I think that there is like a lot of I just saw a lot of um, oh my god, backlash, backlash. Uh, I saw a lot of stuff where people were kind of um, saying that the, that the backlash was unfair and, and, you know, that we should reward people for just, you know, good intentions, blah, 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 blah. And I think that there were some almost helpful things that came out of some of those responses. I Like, I absolutely think that trying to foster respectful debate is good. Um, I think that... Try, trying as much as possible to be able to carry out that debate away from social media is a good goal as well, where it is possible. So uh, what you're saying is social media isn't good for debate? <laughs> no, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> I Like, obviously, this was kind of a weird case because most of the people were literally celebrities. And so, mm. you know, that, that makes it... Um, you know, they fired the first shot, I, w- I would say, by putting it out in yeah, the, into yeah. the world in, in this way. Um, and in doing so, I would say shutting down the possibility for, for that kind of more civil behind-the-scenes debate. But I reject completely the idea that, that like, kind of civility is, like, an end goal here or, or is, like, something that we should strive for, you know, beyond or at the cost of actually being able to discuss 
like where we disagree on things. Like there was this kind of tone to a lot of that critique of the backlash that was, I don't know, almost seemed to be suggesting, well, no, literally suggesting as, as we heard in that, that tweet that like, this is why things don't get done, that queers disagreeing about stuff is why we don't achieve things politically. And I just think that's, I mean, I just have so many issues with that. I mean, A, it's mm. not true because, like, there are so many... Like, the reason we don't have marriage equality is that there are lots of people who don't want us to have marriage equality. You know, like, it's 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 basically as straightforward as that. Um, I think... So, so that's I, kind of... I was going to say, I wouldn't even say lots of people. I would just say a few people in parliament. But anyway, that's yeah, just, no, no, that's no, just sure. an aside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, enough powerful people don't want yeah, us to have Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's maybe a better way of putting it. Uh, so, so I think that that's kind of the the first thing I think the second thing is and this is something that that is a really something that we've talked about a bit on the podcast before and something I think is really important which is that I absolutely kind of reject any framing of an argument that suggests that we do or even should all think the same way about issues in the Mm -hmm. queer community I think that it's important for us to be able to be more open about political diversity um, and and to kind of to disagree and to kind of like see where our views do and don't align on things because I think it forces us to like think about what we actually want, what we're actually kind of fighting for here. Yeah, so I 100% agree with you on that and I think we've had this conversation before where, you know, the there is diversity, there are diversity, not just of like people, but also of like political opinions and what this, this sort of... Um, backlash to the backlash often does is really um, sort of silence a whole bunch of particular people. It's, it's, it sort of sounds like, oh, let's just all get along and be happy and friendly. But what it ends up doing is actually silencing dissenting views. Um, and it's often dissenting views that uh, are, are those who are the most marginalized or just those who have the most, you know, who have, you know, politically different views to the ones that have sort of risen to the top as the mainstream view. Um, and, you know, as someone who often has those politically, um, you know, dissenting views um, and who has been told to sort of keep quiet at times, uh, it's kind of, you know, you, you know, it just doesn't work. You can't just feel, you know, what, what, what this ends up doing is just saying, well, okay, you don't fit the mainstream, so therefore you don't really get to have a say because we've got to all keep nice, otherwise we're going to lose this thing that I want, you know, and screw what you want, it's the thing that I want that we need to say. And then, and it's, you know, this is really interesting, you know, this tweet, going back to this tweet, um, you know, where the focus on sort of marriage equality, it's like, well, we had dissenting view, you know, what it sort of see, says to me as well, you know, it demonstrates why we don't have marriage equality because we have dissenting views on these issues rather than because of, you know, the the reasons that you've explained, you know, that it's it's nothing to do with those dissenting views, it's to do with, you know, a, a direct opposition to it. So I think that this has a capacity to really do that. I think also for me... You know, I think this this instance is kind of interesting in that it was a bunch of celebrities, it was a bunch of people who did no consultation, but also had the capacity to do consultation um, and had the capacity yes, to yeah. actually do this properly. Totally, um, people with immense access and social capital. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that they didn't do that um, brings them in, you know, to the, you know, uh, allows for more criticism for me and for more harsh criticism. To yeah, be I'd agree with that. I think yeah. where this falls down at times and I you know I, I, sort of going back to sort of the some of the examples of we were talking about just before um of the sort of cis white person but um one of the interesting examples I, I think you will remember this group for a very short period of time but it's sort of um when safe schools first blew up there there, there was this facebook group the lgbtiq a action group um 
It was, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyways, this Facebook group that was developed and it, it sort of blew up and it was, you know, full of infighting and all this sort of interesting stuff. And I've, I've never actually posted on it, I don't think, but I did follow it for quite a while. Uh, and anyway, I saw this really interesting conversation once where someone uh, who was new to the group posted something, uh, it was related to transgender, uh, trans rights or trans issues, and they used a word, I can't remember what word it was, that... Um, some took offence to, well, no, no, sorry, they didn't use a word. They asked a question about about a word, um, and then they someone provided a, a response to that question, and then this person sort of said, "Well, I, you know, I clearly don't know enough about this, so I'm going to leave this group in case I cause offence of any t- towards anybody when I post." And then people were like, "That's a really good decision that this person has made. That you know they've decided to leave this group because they don't know enough and have you know have the potential to cause offence." And I think that. There's the potential that when we get into these sort of outrage cycles that what you have what you can what can occur is that people fear speaking because they fear the potential that they will cause offense or do something wrong uh, and it actually ends up having the potential of silencing debate in particular kind of ways and what was interesting about that mm. case for me was the potential of someone who was trying to learn and trying to figure stuff out and trying to get to know people but then was too fearful to engage because of the the threat that they might cause offense. Um, in some way to somebody. Um, so it's this fine line, I think, of like, yeah, we've got to have this critique and engage in this debate 100%. I think in this case, I'm not so fussed because these people had the capacity to engage in, you know, engage in this debate. But if you look at social media debate all the time, you can see you know, people who don't have that capacity or who are trying to learn or who are trying to figure things out who can end up potentially being silenced because you know, there's a fear of backlash when you say something on, on, on issues around identity politics, and it's largely around identity politics. If you say something, there's, you know, you can be labelled the person who is the, you know, the bigot or the whatever very quickly if you make a mistake, and that sort of tarnishes you for a good time. Mm. Yeah, I I, um, I struggle a bit with this stuff because it, it is a, a, like an enormous fear of mine is is of like being... Uh, sort of ostracized for something oh, like this. Me too. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Also, just to go back to something you said about about uh, you being someone who who has uh, dissenting views and has been told to shut up. I, uh, I mean, as uh, probably not in quite the same position as you, but I also would like would would never want to suggest that I would or and I imagine well, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. Um, put myself in the same category as like people who are silenced or or marginalized for like oh, yeah, um, yeah. who literally don't have because the capacity to speak about things because you know like you and I are. Ultimately, in a very privileged position mm, in that we mm. literally have a podcast where we can pr- like broadcast our dissenting views out into the out into the community. So, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. No, no, you that's know, it's point. like it's a, it's a, it's a slightly different thing, um, uh, and and we're we're very kind of lucky to to have that, and even more lucky to have people that actually actually apparently want to listen to us. Um, Still uh, don't know why. Not sure. <laughs> um, I absolutely have that fear, and and I. On a, on a basic level, agree with you that these outrage cycles do have the capacity to shut down debate in that way. But I, I think that there has to be a sort of... Mi- I, f- I fear the kind of other extreme end of that, where, where mm. that goes, which, which is that sort of like... Um, that gross sort of alt-right stuff of like essentially protecting the feelings of assholes, And I, I think it can be challenging... And and we've actually absolutely seen plenty of situations where like uh, 
sort of appearing to to have good intentions has even been used as a kind of uh, tactic to like be able to just say horrible things and mm-hmm. get away with it, um, particularly on the internet. And so I think we just have to be really careful to sort of try to find a middle ground where where we're fostering spaces where there can be well intentioned but robust. Um, and critiquable debate. And I think that that is, in practice, really, really hard. Yes, I 100% agree with you on that. Um, I don't know what that space looks like. I well, I think it doesn't look like Twitter is probably yeah, a really important Yeah, I mean, I don't think it looks like much of the debate that occurs in identity politics across a range of different, not just queer identity politics, but across a range of different forms of identity politics. I just don't think it occurs currently. And... And certainly turn, not online. Certainly not online. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's different in other places. It, it's a tough space to be in, and I don't know how to do it. But I think that you know we're currently not in it in the sense that we're at the whether at the other extreme, at least in identity in the world of identity politics, where the outrage is so strong that I do think it has the potential to silence debate. I do think it um, has the potential to stop people from speaking out or to stop people from being comfortable to talking about issues. And in turn, I actually think what it does is it makes people feel isolated from our community, either as a queer person who is trying to get in but maybe has dissenting views or does, does, doesn't feel like they know enough or whatever, whatever that means. Um, or, you know, I was having this conversation the other day about this issue um, with a colleague of mine about this, about this safe schools letter, you know, people, and she, um, she was saying that she sort of felt uncomfortable with some of the, the backlash and she was saying that it made her feel like she's not queer enough anymore. Mm. And that kind of like, you know, if I don't sort of buy into all of this sort of stuff, I'm no longer a queer enough person. I don't really fit into this community anymore, which I find really problem worrying. Oh, um, sure. and it's, it's awful. I mean, just like, you know, you saying that stuff just reminds me of like being at university and like my first sort of exposure to any like queer communities was through the student union, which was mm. like a, you know, where, where I was sort of involved doing other things. But I mean, that was, that was horrific. I mean, I, I was so kind of turned away by all, all, all of that stuff because it felt like to be part of this community, you must believe X, Y, and Z and be yep. able to perform your belief in those things in X, Y, Z ways. And people were explicitly ostracized if they didn't do that. And that was, for me personally, a, a really kind of harmful experience. Mm, mm. And, I, and I think that that's probably not a um, an isolated experience. Mm. Um and 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 that's and that's 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 terrible. That's not what we want. And I think that interestingly, it's you know it goes down to this um, purity politics we were talking about before. It's there's sort of there's this situation where you get more and more queer in particular kinds of ways. So um, so speaking for myself, you know, being a as, you know, cis white straight. You know, cis not on straight. No, not straight. Um, <laughs> as cis, as cis, sort of just fall into those links. Uh, cis white dude, but you know who you know who doesn't really uh, who 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 presents relatively masculine in a masculine kind of way. Uh, it can. You know, I don't fit into that sort of increasingly pure mould of queer. Now, obviously, we've we've spoken about how we have you know a bunch of privilege in this kind of ways, and I'm, the aim here is not to sort of silence the those expressions either, but to sort of rep- represent that to recognise that in a queer community there is a, there is a um, a diversity of expression, um, and that diversity you know has you know that that expression that you know we are, you know we are the ones that sort of get the 
get represented the most, you know, and totally acknowledge that. Um, and don't want to, I'm not sort of, cr- you know, crying foul here or, you know, crying in a corner because, you know, I'm, I'm being totally oppressed. But at the time, you know, but, but, but you know, the sort of experiences you're talking about, I think, are pretty common. Yes. Well, fortunately, we've fought our way up to, to being uh, media elites. And so, yeah. you know, <laughs> fuck you, uni people. Um, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, they're, they're probably much better now. Actually, I can't back that up. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, w- I wanted to, if you if you don't mind, move on to yeah, another question because I think there's there's something in there in our um, in our list that that I really like and we haven't really quite addressed directly, which is um, the idea of like whose job it is and whose responsibility it is mm. to inform people in these spaces. Like, and do we get to a point where you know if if our politics become about uh, knowing the right things and being able to say the right things, like we're, we, we're kind of in forever sort of raising the bar in terms of what we expect of people to be able to not even just engage in the debates, but to appear politically acceptable at all. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know how, where do you kind of find a balance between the extent to which it is someone's responsibility to educate themselves about a particular issue and whether within or outside queer communities and and what role we have to play in in education generally. Okay, so I think it varies. um, And I think it varies based on the person you're talking about. So going back again to this issue, I think that these people had a responsibility to really be educating themselves a little bit more or consulting at least a little bit more um, with that, with with you know, with the with the intricate policies of safe schools. I don't think your regular person on the street has as has a similar responsibility because they're not trying to engage in the same way. They're not trying to make the same sort of intervention. They don't have the political clout to do that intervention. Um, so I think that there's different levels there. But I think also what's interesting about this is the you know I wrote this question. Um, but I think it's it's interesting. What's interesting about my question is you know yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, I'm just so smart. Um, <laughs> uh, what's interesting about this is the sort of you know we have a lot of uh, I see this a lot about the sort of you know people need to inform themselves about blah blah issue or blah blah what you know whatever and you know in this instance people should have you know you know they should have informed themselves that you know that tolerance was not what what the queer community wants mm. and it sort of has this way of identifying this what queer politics is or what queer ideas are without recognising that maybe what actually happened here was that there was a political difference uh, mm, and yeah. people, you know, it wasn't actually about informing them that this was the wrong thing. It was about saying, actually, no, these people have a different political view to us and they are not necessarily wrong. They've just got a different view. And we disagree with that view because of here, blah, blah, reasons, but it doesn't mean they're wrong or they haven't informed themselves. I suspect that, you know, they didn't inform themselves in terms of consulting with people, but they, you know, they may have just had a different political viewpoint on this. It doesn't yeah, that's mean it. That they they may have gone through an extensive consultative process and still decided that that was the right thing to do. And and that would be, um, certainly wouldn't be a position that I would agree with, but but it would be a valid one politically. Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's that, that problem of kind of ideology as fact mm. or ideology as truth, you know. You know, and I think, you know, I'm going to keep linking this back to identity politics, um, but I think that uh, there is a lot of identity politics that tries, that increasingly tries to label identity politics as fact in some way, shape or form that these, you know, and I I think particularly around the questions of offence, for example, a really good example of this, I saw someone um, post on 
uh, Facebook the other day. Um, it was a question. It was about RuPaul's Drag Race. It was um, someone asking, you know, is RuPaul good on trans issues? And some people were posting some different responses on this on this question. You know, some talking about how there has been some transgender um, competitors and Ru has been really great about it and has been really opening and welcoming. And then some others who have who posted about um, that some people have complained about Ru's use of the word tranny in um, a number of a number of her songs. Um, and what was interesting to see that was that there was a debate that sort of occurred because Rue has um, basically stood up for using that word, saying that uh, where 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 Rue grew up, um, that was not an offensive word, that that was um, something that was embraced by parts of the community, and and Rue stood behind using that you know using that word and continues to do so, I believe. Mm. Now a lot of the sort of informing yourself kind of discourse would say, well, Rue should have informed themselves about tranny being an offensive word, you know, that you can't use that, you know, you should inform yourself about that. But even when it comes to what is an offensive term for for a particular community, there is debate and discourse around that. And there is discussion and there's a whole range of different, you know, viewpoints, viewpoints from people like RuPaul, but also, you know, people were citing trans people who had backed up RuPaul in this discussion. So there's no right or wrong here. There's no... Yes, this is offensive, and yes, this is not offensive. There's discourse within all of that space as well. Mm, I mean, even you know, even the word like it's, it's the name of our podcast. You know, the word Queers. queer is is still taken. You know, every now and again, I'll, I'll come across something online uh, where where some it's it's usually older gay men um, mm-hmm. who who can still be really really offended by that. And I it's I mean that's kind of one where I don't know. Like I think with a lot of this stuff, I I try to approach it with compassion. So, I, you know, I, I kind of go, well, you know, I might, you know, queer is a word to use this as a kind of example that is a bit flipped around, um, given uh, it's it's old gay white men who are being offended. It's kind of maybe a useful, um, uh, what do you call it, thought experiment or, or like case study in looking at the exception. Um, yep. You know, I, I, I kind of go, well, queer is a word I really like. Um, it's a word I identify with in a lot of ways. It's a word I use a lot. But at the same time, I don't want to be making people feel like shit unnecessarily. So I'm totally open to discussions about... I mean, these are just like random dudes in like comment threads. So, you know, it's not... <laughs> it's not like I'm... It's not like these are like friends of mine or whatever or people that I'm encountering in, in my day-to-day life. But I'm also like totally happy to just modify my language if i know it's going to hurt someone you know yeah yeah and i and it's interesting because i didn't even i went straight to the rupaul reference but i didn't even think about the title of our podcast um but you're 100 percent correct like it's you know it's another example of this and and i think that when it comes to this sort of language stuff you know and this is why i'm critical of of campaigns focused around language because I think that it's language is different to different people um, and something that is offensive to one person is totally acceptable for another. You know, one person who says, I hate, you know, the idea of tolerance or being tolerated. Others would say, actually, that's an ideal goal for me and I'd be quite happy with that. And neither of those is necessarily right or wrong. They're different political perspectives. They're different personal perspectives. They're ones that we can have discussions and debate around and try and change people's minds. Um, But, 
that doesn't mean one has to inform the other. I think one can has to engage in discussion about why you know you consider this word to be offensive, why I consider queer to be offensive, or why I don't like the idea of being tolerated, etc. Rather than saying, well, you know, you've just got this wrong. Why don't you know go and go and learn yourself before you you try and say something again? You know, I I feel like talking about language sometimes feels a bit like this kind of. Uh, meta layer on top of other issues and we've talked about this on the podcast before as well that that it's kind of like telling people to stop using for example homophobic language doesn't get rid of homophobia Mm. Um, and I I think that that's true but there's obviously also a kind of complex co-constructive relationship between what people say and how people say it and the kind of reality that that represents so it's it's kind of worth it's worth saying that as well I think all of this is contingent on having spaces to be able to debate healthily these topics. And I and I think that and I would just like never want to lose sight of that throughout this entire discussion that like as much as I think we may make very valid criticisms about the nature of some kind of these outrage cycles and, and a lot of discourse in queer communities around these issues, that has to go hand in those critiques have to go hand in hand with our desire to create um, safer and more constructive spaces and more mm. compassionate spaces to be able to have the kind of discourse that we want. And and those yeah, those things have to go together. I don't think you can have one without the other. I think that's a really excellent point. Okay, well, maybe that's it for us today. Uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. In the meantime, you can catch us on queers.podomatic.com. That's our... our uh, that is our website where all of our episodes live. Uh, we're also on iTunes. You can subscribe there. We're also, I mean, we're on sort of on lots of things. I, I use uh, a thing called Pocket Casts on my phone. That's uh, my podcast oh. app on my phone. We're on there. Yeah, they just because a lot of I things just like read from the iTunes feed. Apps. All your podcast apps. Uh, we also, and, and on iTunes in particular, because that's where um, most of our listens and downloads come from, you should go on there and you should review us and you should rate us. Um, because that will help other people find us. Uh, even if you just leave like one line in the review, um, obviously hit five stars because we're worth it, we would like to think. Um, that would uh, that would also be really helpful. We also have an email address, which which I wouldn't want to forget talking about because we always um, mm-hmm. forget to write that down in our notes. Um, and that is queerspodcast at gmail.com. You should write to us because people have been doing so and we get these amazing emails and we want more, more of them, damn it. Yes, more emails, please. We really love them. Uh, and finally, you can find us on the social medias where we can have great debates about things in a really safe space. Uh, <laughs> I'm at Simon Copland on Twitter and on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer. I don't have a Fancy Pants Facebook page, but I am on Twitter at Ben C. Riley. And that's all for today. And we will talk to you all in a couple of weeks time. Bye.